right, welcome to this week's episode of Fighting Words. Donovan here, and I am joined by Freeland Shaw. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Freeland, I got a chance to talk to you a little bit before we started, and uh, I don't know you. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. You know? I'm, I kind of know you. We've been at church together for how long? It's been a while. How long have you been here? I've been here 10 years. It's been about that long. Been. I mean, you, you came around... Well, I met you through Nick LaPointe and yeah. the uh, po- no, Poetry Slam. What was that thing called? Voice Box. Voice Box. Voice Box. Yeah. And you used to DJ there and mm-hmm. eventually started visiting Redeemer. And yeah, it's been a long time. I think it was like literally the first or second uh, Sunday you were there. Because before you really? came, before you came, they were doing it in the uh, in the evenings, right? It was like six o'clock. And I was. Oh, the service? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know. Six Nobody wants that football time over in the Midwest. So when uh, when you came and they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna have service in the morning." All right, I'm in there. So it was about- yeah, that was brutal, man. I for well personally, I didn't like uh, evening service because I don't know. You just Sunday's kind of a, a lazy day, and you're kind of resting, but you're not resting because you, especially as like having to prepare mm-hmm. and preach, and you like. You just the whole day is is that, and it's, so I like getting it over with. The other problem we had is that uh, people either didn't come because mm-hmm. they're going to watch football, mm-hmm. or people were moonlighting. Like they they actually have another church and they visit your church, oh, and you don't sure. really know is Ooh. this your church. So when you when you go to the morning service, it kind of forces the decision. Right, you lose some people, uh, but at least then you know that you actually the people you have who are, your people are, are. You know, who your people are. Yeah. So. Although you just said you don't know me, so. <laughs> but I know you're committed. <laughs> that guy's been faithful. Yeah. Now, it's interesting, man, because, you know, the church isn't that big. A couple hundred people here, mm-hmm. almost 100 in Cedar Falls. But realistically, how many people can you know? Right. I, when we talked about going multi-site, I remember having a member meeting, and someone had said, we're not going to know the people in Cedar Falls. And I literally go, what's his name? Like I just pointed across the room, like who is that? And they're like, I don't know. I said, problem. We already got that problem. Like, yeah. I think you can know a handful of people. And uh, yeah. Well, let me ask you that. Well, though. In a business, though, right? Like, you wouldn't expect the CEO to, unless he was really on his game, to like know the janitor, right? Because if you know the janitor and the you know the IT guy and all their story, then perhaps some of the people that are closer to you, you don't know as well, right? So, so in this analogy, am I the CEO or the janitor? <clears throat> uh, yeah, you know, either way. Maybe we're both janitors in different departments. <laughs> right. But, you know, I, I would expect you to have an intimate relationship with the, the rest of the, the pastoral team, and, right? And um, Well, that's the other thing. I don't know them either. So I, well, that, just, that might be an issue. It's all a farce. I don't know my wife. This is actually just a confessional. Yeah. That's what we're here to talk about. Should I turn my mic off and just listen? <laughs> just listen. <laughs> listen to me blather. You're uh, into music. Oh, yes. You're a DJ. Yes. Semi-retired DJ. Semi-retired. Yeah. Did you just go by... Fr- now, you have a cool name. We've, we've talked about that. I remember actually about a month ago, I said, have you ever met anyone else named Freeland? And you said, no. And he said, well, my dad. Mm-hmm. I'm like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess that kind of doesn't count. Right. Outside of your... Except the people you've met. No. <laughs> I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> so DJ Free, that's just it's just built in. You didn't have to come up with anything. Uh, no, no originality necessary, and it was it was pretty dope. Yeah, it was good. I, I really, uh, I mean, I appreciate music for the artistry, but also just especially when you look at you know I'm a big hip hop head. When you look at hip hop, it's very much uh, 
painting a picture and shining a light on the culture, right? To to where you can even, I mean, people are sharing their soul, right? And so it's almost, um, some you know, sometimes you just like the beat and you're like, sure. oh, this is this is really nice. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times you can hear it, it's all, it's like listening to sermons, right? And yeah, people are telling you what they care about and their yeah. fears and their hopes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, you certainly. Uh, that's something we've talked about over the years, and you certainly uh, like to analyze lyrics. I remember I sent you a song. <laughs> it was a couple months ago. I said, "I love the flow of this." I don't know oh, what yeah. the heck they're talking about. And you immediately like replied back with like the dissection, and I was like, "Oh, oh, I see that now." Like, yeah, right. But that was probably like that's not actually the response that you were looking for. But, no, it was helpful. Oh, okay. I, I liked it. I just also just liked the the flow. Yeah. Anyways, um. Good. Well, I want to get to the subject matter at hand because I got so much to talk about. All right. I think we might have to do a series on this. We'll see how, how available you are. Mm. So I walked up to Freeland. Well, I asked you to do the podcast, and you said, sure. And then uh, you asked why, and I said, straight up, dude, cause I'm, I'm asking you because you're black. Yeah. And uh, well, I said, the black guy. Yeah. And then Stand Vern Coates Vern. is like f- three feet away going, I'm right here. Like, felt insulted. So anyway, there's that. Um. So my motivation, well, I mean, there's just so much talk, and always, I think yeah. it's always an issue. I mean, historically, all over the world, I mean, race is an issue. And obviously, in the last several years, it seems like it's been stirred up again mm-hmm. for different reasons. We're going to get into why, why that is. And uh, you hear people out there from different perspectives, and they're uh, talking about it. So I thought, well, let's have two Redeemer guys who share a gospel perspective mm-hmm. talk about this. So... Preliminary questions. All right. Number one, can I call you black? Yes. Okay, because you never know what's the acceptable term. You know, right now it's people of color. Oh, yeah, the POCs? Yeah, when you which, is interesting POC. to, <laughs> which is interesting to me because you can't say colored. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could I call you that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, probably not. <laughs> you say probably not. Probably not. But, well... That's interesting. They just changed the, uh, yeah. I don't know, well, colored of color. It's right. Like, and black, you know, back when it was like, well, you have to call him African-American. It's like, I have never been to Africa. Just call me black. It's, and it just takes too long. Right. So I'm, so it's interesting. You know, I think, which is related to an, an, a subject here, which is the individuality of all humans. Mm. And, and we have to be careful when we try to represent whole classes of people. Like, that's, you know, you say, hey, I know this black guy. Like, that's offensive. Like, to who? Right. Said who? Yeah. Did you ask him? Right. So, anyway, again, that's brushing up an issue against an issue here, which is our demographics, when we divide them out by race, let's say race, are those people, can you actually speak monolithically mm. about this group of people? And I think there are some commonalities, but it gets tough. Sure. All right. So, just to be clear, um, here's the other thing. Um so obviously, I see color. I literally go, there's a black guy. I want to go talk to him about being a black guy. Um, is that offensive? Are you at all like, oh, okay, I'm, oh, I'm going to be that guy? Right. Uh, no, because, I mean, I am that. Like, when I walk into Redeemer, I realize that I'm the only black adult male. Uh, sorry, Vern. That's... <laughs> That's, that's visibly there, right? So Okay, so we got to address the Vern thing because some people... So Vern Coates is a member of our church, and he is technically biracial. Mm-hmm. He's uh, His dad is black, his mom is white, 
And uh, and his dad's not like half black. Like his dad is black, mm-hmm. right? But Vern got really, really on the scale of you know where you could end up. He got pretty light skin tone. And some when I met him, I I felt I knew he was black. Mm-hmm. I could tell. Some people oh. are surprised. How's that? I, is this hair? I could see. I've uh, met people who are who are on more of that spectrum of the lighter mm-hmm. skin tone, and I just saw it. I was like, "Oh, he's a black guy," mm-hmm. or at least mixed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but some people are surprised. I mean, they're like, "I mean, I was literally talking about this one day, and I was like, oh, yeah, Vern's Vern's black,' and blah blah." blah. And they were like, "Vern's black!" Like surprised. <laughs> like, so there's the context for it. Is that that's why we're making fun of uh, fun about it? Some of you may not yeah. know know Vern. Is that uh, some people would be surprised that that he is as ethnic as he is? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're aware of that? Yeah. So I, I mean, you, when I you're walk aware into a room, of being black? You, yeah. You look around and you you get the landscape of it, whether it's at church or at work or um, I, I don't know in it's, the world. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's helpful to have categories, and it's helpful to know what category you're in. Uh, it's interesting. So this so this also starts to brush up against another issue, which is. Uh, the idea of privilege mm. and uh, white privilege, particularly, which I certainly think it, it is a uh, a factor in life. Mm-hmm. This is one of them. Like I don't, I don't necessarily. I I am race conscious, but not of my own. Mm. Like I don't. Have, when I walk into Redeemer or most places in America, because I am white, mm-hmm. um, I don't. That's not a factor that I have to think about or do think about. Mm. And uh, and so that is that a privilege. I guess that could be argued. I don't know, but I, I get where the sociological argument is: is that that's not a barrier for me. I don't ever have to think, or rarely have to think. Oh, I'm mm. in the minority here. I'm different. I'm um, identifiably unique. Right. So, um, do you feel oppressed by that? Um, it depends. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. That's what I want to talk about. Well, I mean, it just depends on the. Yeah, that opens up a big one. I, I mean, well, what's the definition of oppression? Maybe we should sure. get, a, get get on the same page there. Okay, so I meant. Uh, okay, so you can or have it, overt. Is it, you is can it have weighty. Is that the is question? it weighty? Yeah, like yeah. It, it could it could be overt oppression. Like there's the black guy. Like right. <laughs> or just the yeah. You could you being cautious of that could you either go ah eh, who cares or you go ah eh, I, I can feel that you know mm-hmm. life feels different to me because of that. Yeah, like, so, so I have to walk on both lines of that of I have to be cognizant of it but at the same time I can't uh, live and make my decisions you know based off of that reality that doesn't that doesn't fully make sense but uh, so it's at, not the basis it's not the, so what's the most at, important. at work right um, there's a lot of white people that yep. work at Collins yeah and so when I walk into a meeting I will likely be the only black guy in the meeting yeah I'm aware of that Right. But at the same time, I can't back down from, you know, sharing any of my positions on things. Um, I can't back down from making suggestions, giving recommendations, addressing any issues that I see with, you know, any of that. It's I'm cognizant of who I am. And then um, I have to act as though because I think that's one thing of. A lot of times, and I talk to a lot of people within uh, Collins when I'm mentoring. People of Collins? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of those POCs. Um, ah. A lot of times we, you know, as as minorities, you, you get to the table, right? And the first thing that you want to do is convince the people around the table that you belong at the table. Mm. Um, if I'm at the table 
I belong at the table, right? So I don't need to waste any energy uh, justifying to you that I should be here and that I have value in the conversation. Uh, I need to just bring that value to the conversation. And if you didn't think that I belonged at the table, well, after you see the value, hopefully <laughs> you would at least you know recognize like, oh, okay, yeah, now I see why he's invited to the to the meeting, or I see how he's in this position, or I see why he's an asset to the team, right? If I spend my whole life trying to convince everyone that I belong or that that we're on even playing scale, then that, that's a lot of wasted energy because we're not on even playing scale, right? Like I, it, it's it most likely took me more energy and effort to get to the table, right? So that's not necessarily even playing scale, but okay. That now tell me why you would say something like that—that that it most likely took you more energy and effort to get to that table. Yeah, so I mean looking in the world of engineering. Okay. Um just take away any of the uh uh you know um what's the word for the structural the like the systemic uh Yes, thank you. There you go. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's early in the morning so my brain is kind of Um there's just less minorities within the field of engineering, you know, like if you were to poll, hey, what's your major? There would be less black people that said electrical engineering. Right. But there would be a lot of Indians, probably, and yes, and, and uh, Asians. Asians. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's interesting. So, so, di- so, in one sense, you can say, well, of course, there's less black people than white people at Collins because there's less black people than white people. But you're saying even proportionately, correct? It's under you're underrepresented, right? Right. Okay. And so then, if you you know take that percentage, and then now you're trying to compete with others that are. I mean, I don't even want to speak to the privilege of, you know, white people. It's just like, as you, as you say, in Cedar Rapids, there's more white people than black people. Right. So I would expect it to be harder unless there is someone that's really trying to flip the scale and say, uh, you know, oh, affirmative action. I'm going to have to hire this black person because, uh, you know, I got to meet my numbers or something. But if you're in a pool of 10 people and nine of them are a different color then the chances that you're going to get chosen is just less right i mean it's just statistics yeah and you do so this this is really this issue of privilege is related to this i think that um again when i hear i hear people talking about this i feel like there's a lack of nuance there's either white privilege exists and that makes you racist you're mm. in, in, inherently oppressive. You bear sinful responsibility to. It's like, I, I wouldn't go that far. And then on the other end, you have people saying, "There's no such thing as white privilege." Mm. You know, America's free, and it's like, okay, I think that's wrong. I, I think it's in to me, it's intuitively obvious that people group together, in, by in different ways through mm-hmm. common experiences, race. I mean, just, just go to the lunchroom. <laughs> you know, right. Just go to church. Like, why Why are different races in different churches? I don't think it's necessarily just explicit racism, although some of that might be true. Yeah. But it's just, you were born, guess guess who birthed you? Black people. Right. And who and who did you grow up around then usually? You know, it's like the, mm-hmm. the, the communities tend to flock together. Right. And notice each other more, and then this just it just creates this this collective momentum that yeah. Well, if, um, you, if you play basketball, right, you're not gonna go to the lunchroom and hang out with the tennis team because <laughs> that's right. Yeah, unless you're missional, 
I guess. Yeah, I'll mission to them. <laughs> so anyway, this idea of privilege, you know, so I would just say yes. I believe that uh, in the United States, obviously because the majority, and this would be true no matter the majority. This And here's where sometimes we break this down is that it's not particularly a white issue. It's a, it's a dominant culture issue. So if you move to a different, if you go to India, mm-hmm. guess who has privilege there? Hindus over Muslims. And mm-hmm. that's a religious divide. And then you could probably subdivide that. And you go to Pakistan, guess who has privilege there? Muslims, right? And so, of course, if you're part of the majority, you're just going to have more connections, more opportunities, more ability to just go with the flow. Right. Because, um, well, some of that's just, like I said, just natural energy. And then there is also racism. People do sure. have whatever personal or historic reasons. They they want to keep others down and... Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, just a little more on like why you would say you probably had to work harder um, yeah. than some of those people. That, and, and so how do you, can you see though how that would be offensive to a, a white guy? You're saying I had to work harder to get at this table. Probably, maybe. I mean, we don't know his specific background. That's right. the problem is we're talking generalities. Yeah. And he's like, man, I worked my butt off through engineering school. Yeah, and- yeah certainly. Um, and, you know, perhaps rightfully so. Um Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? That's true. Yeah, that, that, Sit down and have lunch. Well, let's go to lunch and talk about it. Right. But again, I, I don't think then uh, a constructive conversation would not be us both trying to, you know, outdo people in, uh, oh, this is how hard I have to work. You, you don't know this, blah, 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 blah. You know, well, okay, so that's fine. All right. I, I'll concede. You worked harder than me. We're both still here. You now know. let's solve the problem. Now, what, yeah. <laughs> Come on, we, got, we got five minutes left. Like, why, why are we in the meeting? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's a lot of it you know and i don't want to um it, it's not like if i look at my background right growing up uh, essentially with a single parent um and the neighborhood that i was in they literally put gates at the end of our street to keep crime out or keep so, crime in yeah keep the drug yeah that, <laughs> but that was essentially is like okay so you're just kind of you know putting us in cages here um if you were to, if I were to write down a, a lot of my background, you know, if I if I were to read it, I wouldn't think, oh yeah, this guy's you know working for an aerospace and defense company, right? And right. Again, this is where it comes out in nuance because I think there's several, there's there are tons of white people who would say that's how I grew up. Yeah, you know, my my dad was gone, my mom was an alcoholic. It's like yes, and mm-hmm. so we're just talking generalities mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Um, just look at the statistics, statistics of poverty, statistics of incarceration, statistics of fatherlessness. Right. And it just is pr- disproportionately represented in the black community. And reasons for that are, are multiple. <laughs> yes. The main there. reason is that we're doing, living in a fallen world, but how that plays out, we, we can revisit that. But mm-hmm. I think that what one of the things that I want to be aware of is that if I'm if I'm working hard to give my kids, I don't know if I'd call it advantages or just take care of them. Mm-hmm. Like I can't say, look, I want to be a present father. I want to talk to them and disciple them. I want our my wife and I's marriage to remain not just together but but to flourish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want I want them to be educated. I want them to be healthy. Um, I want them to eat well. I can't do all that for them 
and then in the same breath say, but people who have less of that aren't underprivileged. You know, you mm-hmm. say, well, it's all about personal responsibility. Like, you don't do that with your kids. Right. You know, you can't. Th- so, again, these are these. I, what I find is a lot of this stuff is just tensions of truths that interplay and interrelate. And you can't we can't fix these things this side of heaven. We can work on them, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, don't don't work so hard to give your kids privilege and then look at other kids that don't have that and. And just think, well, they just need to take responsibility, yeah. you know, or they need to grow through their suffering. Bootstrap. Tighten up those bootstraps. Um, are you a sellout? Oh, am I a sellout? Yeah. Um, Tell me, you know why I'm asking that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe in some ways. Dang. Sometimes I do feel like a sellout. <laughs> okay, uh, so why, did I, why do you think I asked that? Uh, because I'm... Uh, black man in a white well i mean i would i would go further than just saying that you know the 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 church that i'm in right um, the world I, I mean i'm a black man that's living in a white world right um i got a white wife got half white children cuz they're partially mine partially hers <laughs> uh yeah and it's weird uh, when I think about it. It's like sometimes I do think like, man, did I turn my back on my community? You know what I mean? Of, um, yeah, I was raised and I was even talking to uh, Rita, my wife, Rita. Shout out to Rita. Uh, this will probably be the only podcast she listens to because I'm on it. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why actually why I invite other people. Yeah. So that somebody will at least listen. Right. Reach out to those Nobody. networks. Yeah. Um, you know, I was talking to her and I, I was like, man, you know, it's weird how I'm a black man that I grew up um, in a white world. Like, you know, um, kind of in that, you know, as you're talking the privilege, right? Like I grew up in the, uh, you know, all my my school was white and, all, you know, my friends were white. And she's like, no, they weren't. No, you didn't. Like, and then I thought about it. It's like, oh, yeah, OK. Like, you know, I grew up in a black church, uh, grew up in a black neighborhood. There was one mixed you know family there and even my school uh i went to a private school christian school uh but even there you know it was we'll say 40 percent minorities right which is kind of a high statistic in a, a if you look at a school like that yeah and then um and then yeah i grow i, I go away from home and then i go to john calvin's institution you know go to calvin college and there's a bunch of Dutch people there, and um, and then you, you know you kind of latch onto those ideals, and now I'm going to Redeemer, and I'm living, uh, working at Collins, where in some ways now I'm you know part of the <laughs> pushing the ideals of the corporate establishment, you know, and and so yeah, sometimes I do think about it like, okay. Um, you know, we you go back to when I walk into a room. So when I walk into a room at Redeemer or uh, auditorium or whatever, you know, you walk in with a white wife, and it's like, ah, it's not, it's not a huge deal. But when I walk into a black church and you got a white wife, you you know, you think like, oh, okay, so what? How are people perceiving this? Right? Well, which is the tougher, uh, 
Yeah, which is the tougher situation, do you think? I'm sure, okay, again, generalities here, who knows? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, certainly for me, it would be walking into a black church with a white woman, right? Because it, you, you have those thoughts of sellout, like, oh, like, look at this sellout, you know? Um, and especially with, when um, black women will see, well, I, I mean, not all black women, right? But you look at all We got to preface TV, all yeah. our sentences yeah. with like, not everyone, not, not everyone, every, not, not every person. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have the specific numbers of how many of these people do believe that. Uh, uh, but it's a it's a common uh it's a cultural theme for a reason. That is a Right. You know, the, the, you know, the cu- culture has decided, you know, wh- well, ha- culture is dominantly white, therefore the the, mm. the uh what's held out as as power and privilege and beauty is white and therefore if a black guy or whatever, we're just talking along those lines, but yeah. it could it could go happen in other races too. Yeah, we could see why you would be saying, "Oh, you're just you're leaving us. You're going right, and now you're accom- you're accommodating your life to yeah to yeah. the to the white privilege train. Maybe right. your kids will maybe your kids will marry white. Yeah, and they'll marry white. Eventually, you have whitewashed your whole history. Right. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, I actually think about that sometimes, and then I think we okay, got to arrange some marriages. Like, does it matter? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's not like I tur- like willfully turn my back on the community. It's hey, these are the people that I'm attracted to. Person mm. only one. Let's <laughs> go ahead and cut that out. Cut that one out. But you know, it's not like you made a conscious decision. Like, man, how could I best uh, <laughs> destroy my community and uh, you know annihilate my people? It's like, oh yeah. So, so I think this is part of what we, you were talking about is that you're aware of these things, but they're not the main drivers of of your life. You're not going right. to wake up and go, you know, so like I said, you walk into a room at Collins, you're aware mm-hmm. of the racial difference, but you're not like, okay, how can I make this the driving right. issue and, and m- drive my decisions around this? And right. I personally think that's healthy, but of course I do. I'm <laughs> sitting in the place of privilege. Um, <laughs> let me ask you... Uh, so I'm sure you're familiar with Lecrae's experience of, did you read about like a couple years ago, he, so Lecrae, rapper, popular in the, black guy, popular in the evangelical movement, mm-hmm. and even within the reformed evangelical movement, you know, because he's a really Calvinist in the ways that he teaches and preaches, and and in that reformed evangelical movement's big time majority white, and yet he, uh, had popularity and people listened to him. And then, you know, a few years ago when the whole Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter and all that was big, which I'd like to visit with you if we can, mm-hmm. um, he spoke out against uh, what he perceived as some systemic injustices in the world and in, in, in law enforcement. And his his experience, as he described it, was that he received an, an inordinate amount of backlash and felt like he realized he thought he had uh, brotherhood until he touched the idols of the community, and then the, the claws came out basically, and mm-hmm. and uh, maybe he'll swing back, and he kind of maybe overreacted. I don't know. I don't know how he should have reacted, but um. So as you, as you you're familiar with that whole narrative, and mm-hmm. so. As you read that, like I don't know, what were some uh, reactions that you had? Did you feel like he was onto something? You feel like he was being crazy? Like 
How did you look cray cray? Look <laughs> crazy. <laughs> How did you filter through that? Yeah, that's that's a whole series in itself, yeah. right there. Honestly, um, you know what? I, what I would say is uh, even his feeling of okay, well, maybe I'm not in the privileged, or you know, maybe I'm not a part of. Wow, I almost have to go back to. It's almost funny to think about, okay, how does a uh, a, a black hip-hop artist become embraced by a majority like, white? Like, why did that even happen? Yeah. Um, that's really partially what I was thinking about, because I think hmm. that's part of what he was wrestling with was, man, I thought, I, thought, <clears throat> I thought these were my people. I thought they loved me, and I thought, and... Um, well, because hip-hop is dope. <sighs> Can I just put it that way? No. Well, it's not that simple. No, you can't. <laughs> Hip hop is dope, but because it's a it's like a, a a smaller microcosm of what happened in the broader culture, yeah. Which is 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 that what has been happening? It's not just hip hop. I mean, people would well, say right. white people have been stealing black people's music for oh man, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, since the like, beginning. Oh, so, <laughs> so I love Elvis Presley. Good, 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 good. I'm glad you, I'm glad you like that man. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you almost think about. Uh, Okay, so Lecrae, did you sell out? Right, like, like those are the Dang. questions that that kind of pop up. Of okay, so you were embraced by this community. First off, why? Um, which is fine, but but then also you felt as though um, m- maybe you you know they turned their back or their back on you, or or maybe you actually had your eyes open to what's really underlying. But I think you hit on it is. Uh, I don't. I don't think it matters who it is. I mean, it could be uh, you know a black hip hop artist. It could be a white person running for president. It could be whatever. Once anyone starts to hit on those idols and the things that you hold tight to yourself, I mean, you know, the claws the claws come out, right? And uh, I think maybe he was just a little surprised by what what that reaction would be. And it's like, oh, I see your true colors. But I mean, our true colors are laid out in the Bible, right? Like we. We're inherently um, mm. drawn to th- to things that are you know less satisfying than what we were created for, and so once you start to attack those things, um, you know people will do anything to uh, to protect that, right? And so I think part of his response was maybe a little. Um, What's the what's a good word? Not overreacting, but perhaps he uh, he, he just reacted too quickly. I, I don't know, but yeah, he was obviously hurt too. And... Yeah, yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, you, you know, as as we interact as humans walking around here, seeing dimly, right? Some seeing more clearly than others. Uh, I think we just need to use those as opportunities to. You know, if you can't address those issues and have, because uh, I, I think he and Piper kind of tried to uh, address that issue together and sit down. Well, maybe not sit down, but really say like, okay, what is what what is going on here? Um, but yeah, in a way, I felt bad for him. Um, but in a way, it's like you know the world you're living in, right? Mm. Right? Like this could not have caught you that mm. much off guard. Um, Mm. But but maybe not. That's just my yeah. Boy.
Um, yeah, I do think. <clears throat> yeah, he was maybe too, maybe too surprised by it. Um, so yeah, because here's the thing: the Bible does say we have sin, and that gives us over to idolatry. But it also says that we can grow in Christ-likeness. Right. Like, is it true? And sometimes it can be disheartening when you think, mm-hmm. oh, okay, people have grown in this area, and then boom, actually it's just a trigger thing Realize makes you realize maybe as, as a group they haven't. Right. Um, but p- I think part of that is putting um, undue and, and uh, giving people a false holiness, <clears throat> right? Like, you could probably offend me Right. But I wouldn't be surprised that you were able to offend someone. Like, I wouldn't be surprised that a pastor at a church sure. would be able to uh, offend me. Right. I, I might get offended, but it, I can't put you on this pedestal of, uh, yeah, but you're a pastor and you, yeah. you know, you, you, you preach the gospel and the yeah. sovereignty of God. And glo- it's like, yeah, but he's a man. Right. And so, as an institution, if we say, you know, hey, I thought, I thought we've, uh, progressed Mm. you know a hundred years or however many years you want to say i thought there was a lot of progression well that's likely true to a certain extent but i'm not saying that you've already attained all this holiness right and so um you're not full you know the already not yet and we're as we as we walk towards that um i don't think it's like a it's not like you're running around a track right and you trip and fall, and then you have to start over, right? I don't think we're backsliding because I think that's part of what you know people are thinking of. Well, we haven't made any progression, right? Right. You know, we're just we're right back to where we were. Um, I don't think it's a huge backslide. I think it's, um, and it's it's more than a blip on the radar, right? But yeah. Um, but but it's not a, a full like oh well now we have to start all over. I don't think that's true, but I don't think we're to the finish line yet, right? Right. So I was listening to. A- <clears throat> sermon actually this morning someone posted on Facebook and it was Vody Bauckham you familiar with him Mm-mm. so he's a black pastor in the reformed baptistic mm. like redeemer culture mm-hmm. um, and he pastors a white church and I never knew this story but he basically talked about how uh, back when he got saved and was growing as a pastor as a teacher and all this and there was actually kind of all this talk about racial reconciliation and he was meeting all these white churches who were saying how do we do this how do we make our churches more diverse and one thing he said was like it's funny i don't i don't ever hear uh i never talked to a black pastor sitting there staying up at night like how do i make my church more diverse <laughs> um anyway gosh man i could just rabbit shut down any of these points um but anyway so he felt a calling then okay well let's pursue this and i'm gonna go to this church and, and pastor them and and, mm. and and live together and he felt hurt because he was accused of selling out. Mm. And he's like, wait a minute, I thought we we're supposed to love each other. And mm-hmm. anyway, so he, he preached the gospel, which was the. So when we're talking about racial reconciliation, mm-hmm. he's really banging on the drum of, we've been reconciled in Christ, mm. like actually. Mm-hmm. So we don't need to fight for racial reconciliation. Mm. And I want to champion that and say yes. And that's missing from a lot of the conversation because, mm-hmm. frankly, a lot of the conversation is not being uh, monitored or. Uh, uh, run by Christians, so of course it's missing gospel. Right. However, I I feel like that's a that's kind of, and I'm sure you'd agree. But just from what he said, you know, it's all about the gospel. Like, yes, but it's, but what about the outcomes of that? If we have been reconciled and we can love one another, 
don't we then also then look at life and how things are ordered and say, hey, maybe some adjustments need to be made? It's like if my son is, uh, you know, acting unjustly in the house, and my girls come to me and and I say, well, you've been reconciled in the gospel. It's like, right? Yeah, but therefore, like, how should we? Yeah. So I think that's. The, Again, I think Vody would probably agree with that if I sat and asked him, and he's he's banging, he's a preacher, and he's banging that drum because there is no reconciliation apart from Christ. Uh, but I do think then the question is, okay, but therefore, because we are in Christ and we've been unified, and how do we how do we identify problems in the world and try to um, bring justice? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we still need to. In other words, these aren't we, we can't have this false dichotomy. Where right. It's either about social justice or the gospel. It's like what's right. an outflow of the gospel, right? Because Christ has saved me and loved me as as He has. Therefore, I'm going to look at how I can better love my wife. So yeah, yeah. Do you have social justice without the gospel? Right. What'd you say? You, I said, do you? Do, do you? you have? I mean, does it exist apart from? Yeah. No. No. Not actually. Um. Well, you don't even have the power for it because at the end of the day, the the the, the conflict comes from us having competing idols, mm-hmm. right? And so, until that issue is fixed, where I'm uh, at least able to root myself in Christ to some degree and say, "Okay, I no longer need right privilege in the community, access to resources as my identity." And we can begin to to let go of those things and forgive and all these things, but right. but there's still work to be done. And I think that's the the challenge is it's just hard to. See. I think the systemic thing is really hard to see. Like if I say, um, if, if my daughters come and say, Augie took my candy, whatever. It's like I, I can see that very clearly. Mm-hmm. And then if I look at the culture, I can see if you just look at statistics. That obviously there is a general advantage to being to being white in this nation, but it's hard to see exactly how those things are mm-hmm. built into the systems. Mm-hmm. And some people have an idea that it's this, or some people have an idea that's that. Sure. And the solutions are really the proposed solutions get really complex and tricky, like affirmative action and all kinds of stuff. It's like it is so complex. I'm not saying it's not worth the uh, addressing, but. It's just not as simple as individual, right? You know, this guy stole my car. This guy, you know, yeah. enslaved me. It's like, oh, okay, right. But how are that's just it just gets really murky. And then you have people that are really, really extreme and speak in inflammatory ways, and you're guilty just for waking up white. And it's like that that inflames half the well, more eighty percent or whatever the population. And yeah, it's it's really really tough. Um, but I think it's it's good work it needs to be done. Do you? I was just a little sermon. I guess I didn't really have a question there. Um, do you believe in reparations? Hmm. Not really. Not really. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess I I believe in addressing systems and issues. Um, I don't believe in. So if, I don't know, if you got a guy that's driving reckless, right? Okay. And he's just driving down the street in a monster truck, you know, and knocks down four or five people in his way. Um, 
I would prefer for someone or something to counsel him to stop driving recklessly than to just pay for all the damages that has been done, right? Because... Can you do both? Can you do both? Yeah, sure. Um, you, sh- you certainly can. I, I uh, well, yeah, and then I guess that's where my analogy breaks down because in that situation, I do think that... <laughs> you pay, should probably pay for, the- pay for the damages, right? But we're not talking... Um, I, don't, I don't think... Can you, uh, can you address, you know, emotional stress with reparations or, um, well, stress probably isn't the right word, but, uh, like, how do you, yeah, how do you, what goes into the calculation? Yeah. I, I just, I, I feel like, cause I feel in a way affirmative action was kind of hitting at some of that. Right. And to me, um, affirmative action is, uh, it provides a cop-out for both sides, right? So let's just look at it in the corporate world. Hey, we've we've been uh, unjustly hiring more white people than people of color. So now you have to hire uh, a person of color, and that's that, right? I know mm. that's not exactly what affirmative act, but, I mean, it, some people actually construed it to be that. And so it's a cop-out for one side to say, Oh, yeah, well, now, you know, we're hiring uh, two more black people a year than we used to in the past. And that's that. Right. And meanwhile, in, in the black community, um, I, <laughs> I don't have to work as hard. Right. And I don't have to try to understand, uh, figure out the systems that are keeping our people f- from attaining, you know, whatever standards were set before. And now it's just like, uh, OK, well, um, I know that there's going to be two black people hired a year, so I just kind of got to wait around until I come up on the list, right? As opposed to um, saying, hey, why, you know, even if it's an educational thing, well, we're not hiring people of color because um, they're just not as smart, right? Well, or at least the scores aren't coming out, you know, for whatever reason, they're not testing as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Their SAT scores aren't as high or whatever. Well, can we figure out uh, what it is about the educational system that is not allowing uh, certain people to flourish within that system and address that as opposed to saying, ah, well, we'll just say yeah, if you're black, your scores only have to be so high. Like, you know, like, that, that, I guess that's kind of how I feel about the. Um, yeah, yeah the, you're seeing the, the holes the in it. It's not as, it's not as simple. <laughs> yeah. Well, my question about reparations is, oh, has yeah. it actually repaired it then? Let's say we come up with a figure. Oh, sure. And you go, okay, it's four hundred trillion, whatever the number is. Right. And that's what we're gonna give. Yeah. To minorities, and I'm like, are yeah. we repaired then? Yeah. Are we saying right? That, are we good? Yeah. <laughs> are we done with this conversation? Yeah. Um, and the answer is no. No. Um, Unless you do it every what decade, right? Because <laughs> there's gonna be other debts built up between there if you're not addressing the, right. the reasons for it. So here's what's just and so. Again, I I just think it's it's just uh, we're just in an unraveled world. So I can look at the holes in reparations and go, that's not going to really solve it. But then if, it's interesting if you actually so if you read the Old Testament, mm-hmm. you have this year of jubilee mm-hmm. where every forty nine fifty years, forty ninth year, something like that, all the land ownership goes back to the original owners. Yeah. Why? Why would God do? That? And I I believe is that He sees. That power accrues power. Mm. Oh, like, yeah. when I, if I have ten dollars and you have one, it's I can 
I have an, a, 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 a head start on you to be able to crew more power, more power. It's just like a snowball running down, mm-hmm. down the hill. Some of that might be because you're evil and crooked, and, and that's true, too. God sees that there are, there's injustice in, in the world. I think that's one of my push against um, Christians who tend to underestimate the power of systemic injustice is, mm. I would say, do you, do you believe in sin? Yeah. Do you believe that's in people? Yeah. Do you believe when a bunch of people get together, there's sin there? Yeah. Do you believe that might manifest in some way? Yeah. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Right. All right. People aren't holy. Therefore, systems aren't holy because they're comprised of people. So God knows that. And and he sees that after 50 years or so, there's the poorer are going to get poorer and the richer are going to get richer. Mm-hmm. And he says, let's reset the tables, mm-hmm. right? At the very least, every 50 years, the land will go. And that's basically all you had then. Right. right? If you had land, you know, people didn't have stocks. People didn't have um, right. went out gold, you know, somewhere like 401k. Yeah, that's it. your land is your wealth. That's it. That's all you have to live off of. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, that's actually very, uh, I don't want to say socialistic, um, but it's, it's very dis- redistribution of wealth type yeah. issues. Looking at this and going, okay, we're going to take from the rich who have accumulated such and such land and redistribute right. it to the... So I don't think that's a very um, anti-capitalistic, anti-conservative mm-hmm. application of justice in the Bible. Um, yeah. And he had to keep doing it. I think it's kind of that's what made me think of it. Right. He did it, and then guess what happened? Yeah. There are still advantages of relationships and abilities and desire, responsibility. Right. That's interesting, though. So even that redistribution of land included people who were being irresponsible. Yeah. So some people were oppressed, and some were just being lazy. Right. They still got their land back. Yeah. Why? God's merciful on laziness, I guess. Uh, was that the un, is that the unforgivable sin? No, no, <laughs> oh. sure hope not. Oh, yeah, I, I think about the parable of the talents, um, in in so much of. So if he were to give the the guy that only got one talent, if he were to give him ten talents, what what would happen? You know, and. I think it wasn't the lack of number of talents that he had, right? Um, he, as even as you presented so eloquently, uh, I mean, it was his beliefs of the person that provided them, and it was his, you know, underlying. Uh, I mean, I'll just wrap it up as that that inherent sin, which caused the blindness, which caused confusion of, um, you know, okay, this was. <laughs> You know, now I'm afraid of my master, right? Yeah. I, I mean, so so what do you do then? Do you keep giving him more and more talents until suddenly he's responsible with it? Or do you stir his affections for his master and tell him who he really is and, you know, show him who he is such that any number that he gets, um, he has the appropriate response to it? And I, I mean, I, I feel that there are some parallels there with, um. Well, maybe with reparations or what, whatever you know, systems we speak of, right? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm. There's a deeper issue that of, needs healed. Yeah. Uh. So. But. And and you got to address the systemic issues. I think. 
So let me ask you this. You say, uh, if you could wave a magic wand right now, and or maybe is there a particular systemic issues that you see? I mean, some of it's just like actual like laws or systems or, you know, that you would say this is this is not helpful <laughs> to anybody and particularly minority communities. And I would change this. Are you is this something that you've given thought to or. No. OK. No, no. Uh, I mean, I don't give myself uh, too much thought into it. Um, I think Leanne does a good job of. Uh, you know, shining some light on the educational system, uh, which I really appreciate. I, I mean, honestly, I look back at the war on drugs. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you, you know, Tupac said it so well to PAC. Um, and, you know, uh, instead of a war on poverty, there's a war on drugs so the police can bother me. Right. And I look at some, you know, something like that where now we're able to monetize the same things that have incarcerated our people for the last, you know, 30 years or whatever. Um, mm, that's, yeah, that's fascinating. When you buy that, you mean like a lot of marijuana has been legalized in a lot of states. And this thing that people have been put in jail for, put yeah. in cages, stripped from their families. Yes. Now the government's, oh, no, we can sell this and make money. Right. We can make money off of it. So we're going to cool. go let those people out. Yeah, yeah, right. No, and, and erase their records, right? And now, okay, so you let somebody out that's been in there for twenty years. What are they going to do, right? I mean, oh God, help us! You know, we all saw uh, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, you let them out, and it's like, I don't know, you know, what to do here. And 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 the families have already been affected. Um, just put a number on it. Write a check. Yeah. Hey, I don't know if it's that easy. No, it's not. So, and I don't know what the uh, the system is behind this, but the real thing that I feel uh, that needs to be addressed within the black community is is the the familial system, right? The why do we have an inordinate amount of single family or mm -hmm. uh, single parent homes? And I think that's a culmination of you know certain things. Um, certainly, I do think the war on drugs or whatever you want to call it had a, a large amount—not uh, a large, but it had a, a a significant amount to play in that. When you're just you know ripping fathers out of their homes, basically. Uh, you want to hear a, a libertarian? Uh, ooh, yeah. So I uh, I listen to a lot of libertarians. Some of my best friends are libertarians. Okay. So generally, that means a a view of very small government, mm -hmm. a high emphasis on personal responsibility. And like, um, they would, they, I've heard this argument, <clears throat> you people, um, I've heard the argument that part of what has, uh, what has deconstructed the black family is government assistance. Sure. That you've come in and said, now you've made it financially, advantageous for the father not to be in the home. Yeah. Right? If you're a single mom, you know, like, raising kids, you know, and father, it's the father's there earning more money. It's like there's this, you know, it's kind of like learning, if you don't feed the bears because they're going to become dependent on you, right? Mm -hmm. And instead of don't know how to forage for food. Now, right. the, 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 the compassionate side looks at that. May I shouldn't say the compassionate side because the libertarians say they are being compassionate and they just think it's it's a misappropriation of resources and they're actually hurting by trying to help mm -hmm. and you're and you're furthering the system and so they'd say get rid of all the social nets 
mm. or the majority of them, and then people will respond to that and go take care of themselves. You know, mm. like you know, again, I could I could critique that, uh, but that's one thing that that they would say is part of the mm-hmm. systemic problem. It's like yeah. it's all the democratic hands out handouts is what they would say, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I can sympathize with that. Uh, you know, that way of thinking. But I would ask, uh, you, you know, are, is Aubrey married to you because of your provision and you know, solely because you provide? Dang. Uh, you know, I, I would ask her that. Where'd she go? <laughs> or is Rita married to me because of, you know, the So if money? the government came and said, hey, we'll give you uh, 30K more if, if you divorce yeah. freely. <laughs> right. You know, is she just going to be like, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, I come home from working all my stuff's in the lawn. Like, what's going on here? You know, I, I mean, that's, that's good. I, I don't, I, I don't necessarily think that's a binary thing. Right. Um, I think again, the, um, within the black community, we're missing out on the importance of family. Uh, we're not missing out on the, <laughs> The, the luxuries of having a family or whatever, you know, I, there, there are some people that, um, mm. that, that maybe, you know, want to quote unquote, take advantage of the system. Right. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, I'll just have all these kids and get all this money. But do they, re- have they experienced real love or right? Like, do they know love? Um, do they know what it feels like to be, uh, cared for and shepherded and whatever, you know, and I would say, um, potentially not because if you did, right, you, we would understand that that's where the real riches are. Right. I I mean, it's just the, 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 the synonym of me chasing after, you know, whatever, you know, drunkenness and gluttony and, uh, have I experienced, you know, true, love compassion have i experienced what it really is to be within you know uh the glory of one that holds me complete and if i have right you can give me all the booze and women and what uh, Mm. you know i I mean it's like uh yeah you almost laugh at when um jesus was being tempted by satan right like was he being tempted like is this a temptation it's just like was he wrestling yeah i mean you gotta scoff at those things did he need an accountability group (laughs) right that's what the ministering angels texting his people like hey yeah satan's here again and i gotta um yeah okay well let me ask you okay so you're not or are you suggesting then that the poorer communities have less gospel that polar community poorer oh poorer 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 communities have less gospel hmm i guess it did sound like i suggested that a little bit um that actually gets into a a a thing about Mm. church in general of I think poorer communities have less theology okay which is helpful to point towards the the gospel um because you know as a community if you are illiterate you're not necessarily going to be uh you know doing a lot of exegeting right and so uh you may m- miss out on some of those helpful nuggets that can point you towards the truth of the gospel mm. I, yeah I would certainly say that is 
because I even think the black, you know, the black church and the black community lags in that, um, that, okay, if, you know, four generations ago, uh, my people weren't allowed to read or allowed to learn how to read, well, then you can't expect us to, you know. Or even just a couple generations ago, not allowed to go to seminary. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, now, does that mean there's absence of the gospel? Um, no. No, oh, you didn't say absence. I guess. Yeah. But. Well, can I? And let me let me uh, answer my own question. I think the part of it is look. So the reason I asked that is you were saying, you know we were talking about uh, let's say black communities, poor mm-hmm. communities are you know struggling. You're saying, well, do they really know the love of Christ? Then you know that would mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. okay. And but maybe what maybe another way to look at it would be that more well-to-do communities don't realize the extent to their to which they're actually being sustained by idols rather than the love of Christ. Oh, yeah. And if all that was to be stripped away, like things would be revealed real quickly. Like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, so I, years ago I was talking with someone and um, I just kind of had this revelation or this understanding of like, like when, when you were asking, what are the systemic issues? I don't know specifically. I, and and I, I probably could read up more and, and you know, and, and look at some of the policies and things like that. And mm-hmm. uh, but I, to me, it's just now intuitive and obvious that there are obviously systemic problems, and some of them may be historic leftovers, and some of them may be present leftovers. Because if I really believe, which I do, that all humans are innately the same race, created in the in the image of God, um, then what is my explanation for the destruction of the black family? Mm. Is it what? What is the difference? If the difference isn't mm. nature, that was right. really the breakthrough. I had to say, okay, are they actually different? Right? Oh, they just this and they just that. And they, well, no, no, we're the same mm-hmm. essentially. Therefore, the explanation has to be external, and it doesn't absolve them of their sinful respons- responses to any kind of externalities they may be experiencing. But but the the difference is external. It's either internal. Well, yeah, black people a, really are different, right? right you right. know, oh. or it's external. Something has right. happened, and I think it's—I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to say that the his, history mm-hmm. and American history has to have an effect. Like you can't enslave people for hundreds of years and just think that's not going to have impact, immeasurable impact for generations to come. Even if you 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 righted all the laws. Which right. people are arguing we haven't, okay? But even if you did, it doesn't. It just doesn't wash away the uh, the collective experience. I guess maybe mm-hmm. we underestimate. Like, yeah, like, yeah, your forefathers were enslaved, but you're not. Yeah, but like, how did that? I mean, we talk about generational cycles of sin and how that, mm-hmm. and and that, how does that just get passed down? from generation to generation like um it's there and i I think the solution is obviously christ and his love and Mm. ultimately redeeming all of humanity Mm -hmm. um but anyway i I don't know what the solutions are but um here on earth we could talk more about that uh but i but i guess the main point i'm driving home there is that you I, i think it's intuitively obvious now and clear that the di- the distinguishing factor is not our nature, mm. 
that leaves me only one other answer. It's something outside of nurture. Something has gone terribly wrong, right? And mm-hmm. again, we don't have to look far for clues to what some of that might be. But again, now as we try to look for improvements and solutions, it just gets really hard. And yeah. and we need people wiser probably than me. Yeah. Um, well, and the, the problem is, or not the problem, but the interesting thing is, um, you know, even around Cedar Rapids, I've been a part of countless discussions on, okay, you know, how do we, you know, either it's at Collins or within the community of, you know, all right, how do we address some of these issues, right? And the fact that, I don't know, almost twice a year you get invited to a, a panel discussion or, um, you, you know, some some council or whatever. It's like, okay, how do, how do we address the fact that we're losing people of color in the workplace? Um, it's It's... It's not a simple, oh, yeah, we just do this, 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 and that, and, you know, it's, it's good. Um, the fact that we have these discussions over and over and over again hmm. s- say that it's not, uh, you know, cut and dry, binary, black and white. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's not that simple. Um, and I don't know. And In some ways, I think we need to be more, uh, is this a word? Well, embracing is a word. I was going to say embraceive, but it sounds more like abrasive. I think we need to be more embracing of the fact that we we will never we will never really get there, right? There's a there's a destination that we're all well that the majority of people I would say are trying to get to um, in terms of however you want to define equality or whatever. And instead of trying to get there, I think we should just continue to walk on that journey together, right? But a lot of times we get so frustrated by the fact that we'll never be there that we just throw our hands up and, you know, don't do anything. Um, That's overwhelming. This is cosmic issues, man. Yeah. We need Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, we're just over an hour now, and man, I didn't get to ask you about Trump and Black Lives Matter. Oh, man. Kids getting shot. Oh, that's a whole, man. That's... We'll do this again sometime. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, there it is—a conversation um, which solved nothing. No, I think Freeland. Freeland. Uh, I think the main takeaway today is is yes. Ultimately, the things that you're expressing about where we find our ultimate hope and experiencing love of, of God as our base identity, and without that, boy, there's no hope <laughs> mm. of really understanding one another and mm-hmm. uh, being able to sacrifice for others and um and walk in the confidence that he gives us and um and then you know moving forward from that not away from it but in that mm-hmm. you know how do we then have conversations and allocate resources i don't know that's hard but let's keep talking so yep. thank you for the time we'll thank do it you. again sometime all right bless you goodbye y'all Rejoice.